look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm terrific. You? Merry Christmas. And to you. I had a very interesting time. Family via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sucked. Uh, well, better than nothing. Better than nothing. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't the same. So, yeah, different. But there's always a conversation at the table, quote-unquote. Yep. I'm using air quotes here because... Um, it wasn't a real table, <laughs> a virtual table. Um, but you start hearing about people's stories and what's going on in their lives. And this Christmas one was literally 30 people all across the country, um, all talking about you know what they're thankful for this year, what they learned from this year, what are some of their concerns. And my father was on that one. My, my father's siblings were on that mm-hmm. one. And... On that session, when we were talking, they were they were thinking about how do we how do we take care of our kids after we're gone? Right. At, at, at some point in people's lives, they start thinking about exiting this world, yep. and so the planning of what happens and what are some of the things they think about when it comes to multiple children, and and there's there's been second marriages. Yeah. So what what so what you're saying is, I mean, this is a time of family. Right, this holiday is a time of family, and these Correct. family conversations come up. Correct. And leading up to this, interestingly, we were having lots of conversation with clients about their wishes for their families. Correct. Right, and depending on your family dynamic and family situation, it can be complex or it can be simple. Correct. Right, um, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But on this show, we got a whole bunch of cool stuff to talk about. That's right. Right. We're going to talk about the biggest red flags around investment fraud. Boy, this is the time of year where bet. people get taken advantage of yep. and fraud is getting higher and higher right. and so we want to inform and educate what are the biggest red flags out there and then we're in we're in the last few days of the year yeah tax time yeah well still some you got a few days left things that's right you can do so, so let's remind everybody let's remind some give some top tax tips with our resident tax expert on our team yeah okay um so let's talk about the, the family and the family dynamics just quickly because it's a uh, it's a topic that uh, that we have to continue to educate on right now, um, we do a lot of conversation with respect when you think about more than money and you know family retirement lifestyle. Mm-hmm. One of the things that should be discussed, and it's not always easy, is the transition, right? Yeah. So for the families that have more than uh, you know more assets than they're going to use up to support their lifestyle during their lifetime, they're going to be transitioning those assets to others. Correct. And um, so the you know the, the the backbone of that process, of course, is your will. You get your power of attorney, you got personal care directive. All of those things need to be in place. Um, the complexity of your family situation or the composition of your family, right? Correct. Second marriages or composition first, complexity second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is, is really interesting. And it's a, in some cases, it's a taboo topic. Yep. Uh, so all of these things feed into the uh, um, complexity of the situation. Yeah. But Faisal, they got to be. You've got to be talked about, right? The, f- the fact of the matter is the generation that we call baby boomer, baby boom, boomers control most of the wealth in this country. Yes. And that'll be consistent in any developed world country. Correct. And there's a giant amount of assets that are going to be transitioned. And there's a massive tax implication if you do it wrong. And it's, it's challenging because 
we are more of a global family than ever before. People are living abroad, right. living in different provinces, cities. The personal situations of the people you're going to leave money behind too mm-hmm. have concerns. Like there, there, there's a there, in my family, there is. I've got three cousins. Their mother mm-hmm. is concerned that first of all, all three are have are in different points in their lives. Yeah. Um, one has is having more problems financially than the other two, yeah. and two of them are local, working in the family business, and the third is in in a different province, not really involved. Right. But seeking, but getting benefit from the family business, like you can just see the complexity, oh, the, sure. the the family dynamics and the composition of that, right. and every one of them, every single one of my dad's siblings says, "Well, what if I don't like my in-laws, right. or I don't trust her or right. him, right. and and my grandchildren, and I want to make sure they're taken care." Like complexity, complexity, and and, and so. The first thing that I think people need to kind of understand is that they have to start to write down their wishes. Just the wishes. Not the not the tax, not right. the structure. Right. What's the legal way of doing it? Just what are you trying to accomplish? Correct. You're leaving a gift. Yep. A very large gift to whomever you choose to give it to. That's right. How do you how do you want that to be sent out? And there's two things that are consistent in my conversations with people about this is nobody says the gift I want to leave behind is a family feud, right? Yeah. And nobody, nobody's ever said to me that my main beneficiary is the Canada Revenue Agency. I want that to happen. Yeah, and I'll tell you the tax thing is, <clears throat> is something we bring up quite a bit. Very few have that as a priority in their mindset. Correct. You're, you're right about that. They're more concerned about who's going to get it or let them get whatever they get. And that's interesting. Let me give you a really straightforward example um, of some complexity that demonstrates, uh, you know, you start with the objective of the gift you want to leave behind. A hundred percent, that's the the right thing to do. Situation where um, it's a second relationship. Um, One of the partners has um, quite a bit of money, and it's all in registered accounts. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the primary asset that they've got. Um, Second relationship, as I've said, they want 50% to go to the... uh, current spouse, 50% to go to the kids. Okay. That seems simple enough. We can write the will to reflect that. Yeah. Come time of execution, though, what's going to happen is 50% of that registered account is going to have to be deregistered, taken as income, 48% tax applied to it, and oh, the kids yeah. are going to get substantially less than the 50%. So now what do we got to do, right? So so there's a process to think through, Correct. right? And the problem, and, and I, I use this, this sort of tongue-in-cheek, this comment to people is, you know, hey, welcome to rich people problems. And when I say that, what the vast majority of our clients and people that we deal with are just good old-fashioned, hardworking people that have saved, done a good job. Yeah. And they don't think of themselves as rich. Correct. But when you add it all up, there's a lot of money there. You're a there, multimillionaire. A of, that's right. You don't feel like a multimillionaire, that's like right. what you think it would feel like. Right. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, i got to leave a mul- multiple millions to multiple people. Right. Welcome to complexity. Yeah, and how do I do it, right? Yeah. And how do I do it? And again, I started with the, the fact of saying nobody wants to leave a dispute. That's not the gift. And nobody wants to, they may not think about the tax, but I've never met anybody that says give as much to the CRA, right? Yeah. And so yeah. there's some complexity there that people need to think through. And it's yeah. not obvi- always fun to do that. 
So the first step is write down what you want. Yeah. If anything you can learn before the new year, as you're going through family yeah. time, write down the things you want to leave behind. Number two, write down your sensitivities. Correct. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, if, uh, if your child just got married and you're not sure it's going to make it or you don't trust that person, write that as a sensitivity. I want to protect against yep. this. Yep. And then start to investigate your right. options. How to do it. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Options. Yeah. How do you figure out all of this? There's the estate planning part is one of the buckets we call the legacy sure. bucket. Yep. But there are ways of bulletproofing your retirement, giving you the cash flow, leaving money behind, taking care of your health care as you age. There's a strategy and a solution to that. And we're going to present that at our seminar on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. If you don't want to be caught in a scam, stick around after the break. We're going to talk about how to avoid them. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And man, oh man, has there been a lot of fraud happening in this province. Fraud. Fraud. Fraudsters. Fraudsters. Scams. Schemes. Oh, yeah. Everything. Can you think of one that you've been exposed to or someone's talked to you about? Well, um, my favorite one is the Prince of Nigeria. The Prince of Nigeria. Yeah. Where, you He's know, still around. Yeah, it keeps coming back. It's a great email yeah. one. Um, yeah. But you see a lot of phishing out there, phishing with a P. Yeah. Um, so people are actually looking for information, Yeah. trying to get um, your personal information and how to do that. I get a great one. Um, the other one that really sort of strikes me there, Faisal, is the one I get on telephone. The CRA is going to imprison CRA, me. Yes. Um, I, I love that one. Yeah. yeah. So, and you're still here. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been imprisoned yet. <laughs> That's impressive. There's a lot of investment <laughs> scams out there too, for sure. And and during a time like this where there's a pandemic, people are going through desperate times, desperate measures and they're and they are looking for ways to make a quick buck and sometimes they mm -hmm. go through this this whole investment scam or fraud. And so we want to kind of educate our audience about what's happening out there and we're joined with Hillary McMeekin, she's the Director of Communications and Investor Education at the Alberta Securities Commission. Hillary, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, let's talk about these fraudsters and their playbook, Hillary. What, what's the playbook for a fraudster? How can we kind of walk, walk us through what, what normally happens? Oh, great question. And I, you know, going back to what you were saying, I just want to quickly say that, you know, and we've talked about this before, we know a lot of Albertans, or at least one in four that we can tell from our from our research, one in four Albertans feel like they've been approached with a fraudulent investment uh, opportunity in the past. So we created this tool, exactly as you call it, the Fraudster's Playbook. That's our affectionate term. <laughs> it's properly titled Don't Be Fooled by Fraud, and it's a guide to protecting your hard-earned money. And we built it because there are seven common steps that we see. Uh, in the in the things that we investigate, in the you know the cases and the situations that we see, we see the same common seven steps that a fraudster will take. And so we have created this booklet, and it's available on CheckFirst.ca um, to really help break it down for people. And what's really important to us is that it we don't just say, hey, this is what to watch out for, but we also say, here's how to protect yourself. So just quickly, the the seven steps. Identif that the, the fraudster will identify a potential victim for a scam. 
so they will, using what's happening in the world around them, preying on those of us that are vulnerable, particularly during an economic downturn, they will target you based on, you know, maybe something you've said to them, maybe a, a conversation you've had. And then from there, they, be, they befriend you and really start to try to build your trust and earn your trust and give you sort of the inside information. And, and it, it's really, they're constantly trying to, um, you know, become friends with you. And then they, then they start to drop hints or showcase the benefits of their investment opportunities. So they might showcase their fancy cars or their, or their house or the vacations that they've gone on, all because of this really cool investment opportunity that they, that they tease. Then they, then they ultimately offer you that investment opportunity. And the first thing, if you, if you go into it, the first thing they'll do is they'll give you a little bit of money to show that it's real. Uh, but then all of a sudden, in step six, they disappear. We call it the ghosting act. They disappear. They're hard to get a hold of. They don't, they don't respond to your calls. Um, they're slow to get back to you. And then all of a sudden, after you've figured out there's a, might be, there might be something wrong, then they ask you for more money because they might help you to try to get the money back. And we call that the recovery act. Uh, so they're, in fact, get, trying to get more money out of you to try to help you get your money back. So those are seven common steps that we see, and that's we created the Fraudsters Playbook to, to map those out for people so that you would know that, that's, that you know, this is what's happening. And then there are all kinds of notes in there on, on what are steps you can take to protect yourself. Well, and it sounds it sounds all the things you just described is like a good episode of American Greed on CNBC. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way out of it. Uh, but you know that being said, uh, Hillary, um, what are some of the big red flags that um, could uh, show that an investment um, here in Alberta and to Albertans it could be a fraud? Great question. Um, number one, promises of high returns with little or no risk. We, we know, right? When, when there's big returns, there's usually big, bigger risk, right? So that's just something, as soon as someone says, oh, no risk, um, little alarm bells should go off in your head. The second one is that pressure to invest immediately, right? Jump in right now. Got to make the decision right now. We also know that, you know what, a really good investment is one that you should be able to take the time to research, mm-hmm. right? You should be able to check it out. So that pressure, another red flag. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones that we certainly see is um, the person who's trying to sell you this investment opportunity is not actually registered to sell you that opportunity. Uh, those, those people that are in the business that are, and there's a lot of really great legitimate um, investment opportunities and, and people who are trying to sell them, and they are registered to do so in the province of Alberta. So they are the people that you want to be talking to. And so it's really important to ask that question. Are you registered? Uh, tell me a bit about your background. How did you come to be involved with this investment opportunity? So, and then the last couple, right, it claims to be tax-free. Um, very little in life, unfortunately, is tax-free. Um, and an insider tip is the final red flag that, uh, that I would say. You know, someone saying, I'll get you in. I'll give you the, you know, the scoop that very few people know about. Um, again, it really good and really good investment opportunities. All of this information is publicly available to you. So those are just some of the red flags. Hillary, can someone um, ha- try to gather money for an investment that is not registered with the Alberta Securities Commission? Or does everybody, and I'm talking like private real estate deals, 
offering memorandums that are out there, all these different types of investments that people are exposed to, are there people, are they allowed to provide a type of investment even though they're not registered with the Alberta Securities Commission? Generally speaking, I think probably, Faisal, there's there's probably some, there's some elements, but generally speaking, by and large, those that are selling investment opportunities need to be registered to do so because there's, there's rules that they have to follow, yeah. right? And there's rules in how they engage with their clients. There's rules in, in the information they provide their clients. And, and that's why the first question should always be, tell me about your registration. Hmm. Tell me about your background and your experience, right? Because you want to know that you're working with someone reputable, someone that is, is working within the laws that exist today. Andrew, you know, there was, I had a couple of messages sent through me to, through social media. And they're like, there's this cryptocurrency, Faisal, you got to yep. get in. And mm. all these red flags have come up. Like everything mm-hmm. that Hillary was talking about has been popping up. Cryptocurrency is probably one of the most um, well-known um, schemes that are going on right now. Okay? Yep. They're using that, that type of tool. Um, when it comes to those types of investments, Hillary, how do we know if the investment is legitimate? Maybe the advisor or the individual is registered, but how do mm-hmm. we know that the investment is legitimate here in Alberta? That's a great question. And, that, and uh, number one is doing a bit of research. It's finding out about the actual company or the opportunity, as you said, that crypto, that crypto exchange or cryptocurrency or what, whatever it is that's, that's coming to you. Take the step. How do you know? I mean, to some degree, we always pay attention to how long has the organization been in business, right? Have they done this before? Have, you know, and we certainly saw this in the early days of COVID, and I think it still exists today. All of a sudden, companies that were once, um, you know, building, doing some sort of pipeline manufacturing are now manufacturing something to do with COVID, PPE or something else, right? Mm-hmm. And, and really, you want to pay attention to the history of the organization and, and their experience and maybe the history and the experience of the leadership, right? And all of that information should be should be publicly available to you and you should be able to ask for that information so that you can see that there is there is legitimacy to what they're building. And yeah, maybe it's a new startup, absolutely, but they should be able to talk about their experience and 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 or what they've been doing in the marketplace. So it gives you a sense of they're not just, you know, popping out of the blue selling you something that is been has been in existence for five minutes, mm-hmm. really. Hillary, my youngest daughter t- uh, takes karate lessons, and one common word she uses with me is kiai, K-Y-I, which we in our mm-hmm. industry says, know your investment. Know mm-hmm. what you're investing in, K-Y-I, kiai. So otherwise you get chopped and you get hurt, right? That's the big yeah. lesson I learned from my youngest daughter. So something we can teach all of our listeners and everybody in Alberta about this. You know, we could be talking a lot more about this topic and, sh- and educating many more uh, but we're running out of time. So, Hillary, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And please, honestly, all of your listeners, check out checkfirst.ca. There's so many resources and additional information for anyone on the investing spectrum, whether you're just starting out or you've been in it for a long time. It's a resource there that's available to everybody. Check out checkfirst.ca. We've been joined by Hillary McMeekin, Director, Communications and Investor Education at the Alberta Securities Commission. We will be talking about 
how do you actually properly invest? How do you profit and protect in these types of markets? You know, these there's a lot of fraud going on, but there's a lot of volatility in the conventional markets out mm-hmm. there, Andrew. And we're going to talk about how do you profit and protect on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. So don't go away. We'll be talking about the top tax tips so you can save money this year. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. It's tax time, buddy. And we've got to talk about... It's year-end, right? So it's, it's not tax time. People have to Oh, sorry. It's year-end tax planning. Fair enough. And yeah. this is year-end. We're giving people, you know, a few weeks to kind of get their house in order right. and be ready for 2021. Right. But there's very little you can do turn when the calendar year turns, right, in, in, for this particular tax year. So we think it's always a great idea to get some tax tips from our resident expert, Jimmy Golenbeck, who's the Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Private Wealth Management. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be back. Let's, uh, let's try to get people prepared here uh, for the end of this year, and uh, we'd love to hear from you about some of the maybe the key tips and key things people should be thinking about as we approach the end of the year, really to be as effective and as efficient as they can for the uh, 2020 tax year. Sure. So let's I start off with, the... with, with indi- yeah. individuals. Jamie, sorry, I want to just jump in. Let's start off with individuals. There's a whole bunch of stuff we can do for year-end. But there's one part of that I was reading that we were of our of our of our piece together on the on the year end piece. Let's start off with the individuals. What can they do hmm. to save on taxes for 2020? Well, I think that the only thing that's really different, and we have this conversation, of course, every year. But the thing that's really different about 2020, of course, of the COVID-19 pandemic, is that individuals that have received benefit payments uh, from uh, as a result of COVID-19. Right. In particular, I'm really thinking of the CERB, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. You know, we've got some listeners that may have received uh, $14,000 of CERB. And, of course, the amount of tax that you pay on that could be anywhere from zero, if that was your only source of income during the year, um, to as high as almost 50%, right, depending on your tax bracket and how much other income you had during the year. So the government's going to send you a T4A slip with the total amount of CERB that you received. And, uh, therefore, it's important uh, towards the end of the year, now that you've got an estimate of what your total income is for 2020, more or less, you know, only six weeks left of the year, um, to really uh, estimate how much tax you think you might owe. Because remember, the government did not withhold any tax at all from the CERB. So again, you could be looking at a bill for, you know, depending on your personal situation and how many months you worked this year and what your income was pre and post, uh, you know, pandemic, um, you could be looking at up to a $7,000 tax bill, right? So you want to set aside that money to make sure that it's not a surprise come come April 30th. And, and similarly, with the new benefits, the Canada Recovery Benefit that started at the end of September, the Sickness Benefit, and the Recovery Caregiving Benefit, those three benefits, $500 a week, uh, uh, depending on, on the scenario. Uh, remember, they are withholding, but they're only withholding 10%. So again, that's probably not enough for, for many people. So our first tip is to keep in mind that you may owe some taxes next spring, and now is a good time to sort of estimate. You can go online. Use uh, We use the Ernst & Young Tax Calculator. Just mm-hmm. Google it. Very easy to find. And uh, just enter your province, Alberta, and then you type in the amount of income you have, and it'll tell you exactly to the dollar uh, how much tax you owe this year. This would also be a good time to th- for thinking about how much RSP contribution room you may have, Jamie, and, and to offset some of those taxes and, and kind of walk through people. It's just that they haven't. the government hasn't re- uh, withheld any income tax in advance for, for these types of programs. And many Canadians still don't maximize their RSP contribution room, so there's an opportunity there. Is that correct? 
Oh, absolutely. And so, again, you know, remember, RSP, we don't have a year deadline, right? Unless you turn 71, by the way, right? Which is That's a, right. the piece I just wrote about in today's uh, financial post. Um, but basically, unless you're turning 71, you still have time, right? You got that 60-day deadline, the March 1st deadline to contribute for 2020. It will give you a deduction against your 2020 tax return. So now is a great time to look at your RSP contribution room. You know, most Canadians have uh, um, thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars of unused room. So that is an opportunity to, if you have it, if you can afford to do it, set aside some of that money in the RSP, get a tax deduction. That would reduce your income for 2020. That actually might save you the tax yeah. uh, on those government benefits. So, Jimmy, there's there's been a lot of volatility in the markets. People have seen their portfolios go up and down Capital gains, losses, uh, uh, those are things that people don't always are, are on the ball with every year. I think this year is a good opportunity for either or. Walk us through your thoughts behind how Canadians can save money on tax when it comes to their you know, portfolios. Sure. Yeah, a couple of things to think about. Of course, towards the end of the year, we always think about tax loss selling. So obviously, if there's losses in the portfolio. Look, markets have been up and down depending on what you own. Certain stocks have gone through the roof. Other stocks have not done as well. So the opportunity to crystallize a loss before the end of the year, the trade date this year on stocks was December the 29th to make sure you have settlement by December the 31st, give you a loss this year. That loss, of course, can only be used against other capital gains this year. Uh, if you have excess losses, you can actually go back three calendar years and get back a refund for capital gains tax. You might have paid in those three years or certainly carry forward that loss indefinitely in the future. On the other hand, if you have stocks that have gone up in value in terms of capital gains, you might think of year-end donations. Certainly, a lot of charities are struggling uh, given the result of COVID-19. Uh, what an opportunity to make a gift of an appreciated security to register Canadian charity. Not only will you get a tax receipt for the fair market value, saving you you know, about 50% or so, um, but in addition to that, you pay no capital gains tax whatsoever on the accrued gain on the stock you're giving to charity. So I call that tax loss mm -hmm. selling or tax gain donating, yeah. both things that you want to think about in the month of November, December this year. Now, Jamie, the report that you put together that we have internally at the firm uh, was, what, five, six pages in length, if I remember correctly, um, with a whole bunch of ideas for individuals, families, businesses, great bunch of tips. We could spend the entire show talking about them. But what I, 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 because of the, sh the, the amount of time that we have together, I want our listeners to say that if they want that, that report, reach out to us on morethanmoneyradio.com. Go to contact us, ask for the tax tips for 2020, and we'll make sure we send that out to you. Uh, Jamie, you do a lot of good work when it comes to this type of stuff. And I think what sometimes doesn't get is that people don't get that, that information in their hands right away. So we're going to help uh, spread the news on that. So I want to thank you in advance of that. We'd also want to so just so you know that the report is ten pages this year. Ten pages of all the COVID nineteen stuff. Ten pages of information. Gotcha. It's twenty pages based on Dave's eyesight because the <laughs> font size is a lot larger. Yeah, <laughs> trifocals now. Oh, thirty. That's right. So, so we wanted to kind of shift the conversation a bit to twenty twenty one. Some of the things that people are worried about. Mm. Two things that have come up, Jamie. One is wealth tax. The other one is tax on your principal residence. Tell us a bit of a background of what you're thinking about that and what's the likelihood of these things happening next year or the year after that? 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of debate about the wealth tax survey just came out that a lot of Canadians do support a wealth tax. However, uh, it was introduced, uh, not formally as a bill, but the motion was brought uh, this week. Uh, it was actually defeated. It was brought up by the NDP in the House. Liberals defeated it uh, this week in terms of wealth tax. So I don't think that there's a lot of liberal support for a wealth tax at, at this point in time. Uh, that could change in the future. There are only four countries in the world that we know of that actually have a wealth tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think we're going to go uh, the wealth tax regime. It only applied to the very wealthy. Uh, there was an estimate by the Parliamentary Budget Office. I think they said that uh, you know, it would affect about 14,000 families, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 14,000 people. And uh, that's if they taxed at 1% wealth over $20 million. So that would raise about $5, 6000000000 billion, something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's on the table. The principal residence exemption, this is an interesting one. It sort of came, uh, you know, we started trying to figure out why has everyone been talking about this thing, you know, in the last few months. And I guess there was a, um, a, sort of a, a, some kind of a research study being done between UBC and uh, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation. And uh, they're requesting certain information that led people to sort of start rumors that, oh, the government <laughs> might be thinking about taxing uh, principal residence. Certainly nothing official there. But if you sort of look at where we are, we have an unlimited uh, principal residence exemption in Canada. Compare that to the U.S., which only taxes the first, uh, like it will only tax you above $250,000 as an individual or $500,000. That's U.S. dollars, of course, as a couple. Um, And we have a very generous exemption here. So, you know, could the government, you know, tax the residents? They could. I don't think they would just sort of announce it one day and then all of a sudden the next day your your taxes, you know, your principal residence is taxed. I think what they would do, and I think the only way to be fair about it, because a lot of people are counting on the sale of a principal residence to fund their retirement, of course, mm-hmm. is that they would do some kind of pro rata calculation. And they would say, how many years have you owned the home? So if we're going to ex- introduce this in 2021, so the years prior to 2021 would be exempt. The years after that would be taxable. You'd take a pro rata exemption and basically say, if you had it for 20 years and then you sold it next year, so one twentieth of it might be taxable, the rest would be tax-free, or maybe they put an exemption. So nothing official there, just a bunch of rumors and speculation. Um, I think if, if, if anything uh, that the government might tweak, it's probably the, the capital gains inclusion rate, yeah. which has uh, certainly been up and down over the last uh, you know 20 years or so. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if that is something to look at before taxing people's principal residences. So a high chance of capital gains inclusion tax uh, increase there, uh, low probability of a wealth tax, low probability of a principal residence tax. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I wouldn't say high possibility. You know, I'm putting it at 51 percent right now. That's good. Estimate. I used to be at 49 percent. Okay. So now I'm at 51 percent on the capital gains inclusion rate in terms of not the rate, but in terms of the likelihood that the government might do something next year. Okay. Jamie, thank you. We've got to wrap it up there. Uh, we appreciate always uh, your time and your input. All right. Stay safe, guys. You too. We've been joined by Jamie Golenbeck, who's a Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Private Wealth Management. Um, we've got a, a seminar coming up, my friend. We've got to make sense of all of this. Whatever the tax changes will or won't be, you still have to fund your retirement. Biggest expense in retirement is taxes. If you can mitigate, minimize that, You've got more wealth. You've got more income, cash flow. Your lifestyle is protected. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m. live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. 
Stick around after the break, and we'll talk about the secret to great investment performance. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Now, what I want to say to people is next year or two years from now, it'll be a different issue issue or set of issues that we're dealing with. There's no, there's no time in history that we're not going to have issues. So here, here's a question that I got in the webinar yeah. that we did last month, or sorry, in the month of November. Here are calls that I'm getting from clients right now saying, in our growth bucket, yeah. the portfolio performance has been fantastic. Right. Double-digit returns, clients are happy, right. and they're wondering, how the heck did that happen? Right. With all the volatility, everything going in every direction possible, right. what's the secret sauce is what I was asked. Yeah. Well, there isn't a secret sauce. It's a... Well, there process. is. It's a process. I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's data and process. That's the secret. Now, we talk about it at a very high level usually. Yeah. So can we get into it? Can we, yep. can we educate our listeners on how do you actually get good results in times like this? Right. What's the process, the secret sauce? And why? I want, I want to address the – so process, we talk about the different steps, but I, I want to actually talk about some of the the moves we made as the pandemic was going on and and why what the data was supporting yeah okay because I think what you know we talk about this idea of process all the time Faisal people may you know you're driving you're not paying attention yeah yeah whatever 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 but why why do certain things now this is all historical and this is all based on this current you know set of circumstances but it will demonstrate I think that no matter what is going on. Whatever the crisis, mm -hmm. there's always opportunity. And we saw that in 2015. Yeah. We saw it this year. When there's major volatility, you know I get excited. So let's yeah. kind of walk through the process of what, what needs to be done in a portfolio when you're looking for growth and you have volatility. And the reason why I, I want to spend some time on this, Dave, is because when a person is transitioning to or living in retirement, they are filled with a whole bunch of ideas. Ideas like 100 minus your age equals how much you should have right. in the stock market or just buy good dividend-paying stocks and right. you'll be okay. And right. here's a financial calculation that if you just take our dividend portfolio, you're going to make money or that kind of stuff has been – they're getting bombarded with this kind of information. Yeah. And, and, and okay, so let's – yes, you're right. And what What's the right course of, of action? I always talk about – there's, there's sort of four variables. Two of them are superpowers, as I call them, that we can control. Okay? And I'm going to frame it like this. There's the structure and the discipline, and we're going to talk about the discipline today. Perfect. Okay? So those are our superpowers of investors. The factors that we got to uh, um, uh, work within when we're applying the discipline and the structure is the timeline, what's going to happen if it's, you know, markets are down, what's the recovery time? Okay? And we've also got this notion of volatility. Beautiful. Okay. So in that context, I want to take people back to, um, let's talk about discipline. I want to go back to June of last year. Okay. okay. Because this speaks to volatility, timeline, discipline, all of it. Um, in June of last year, we had made some changes to our growth portfolio based on the economic data that, uh, by reducing the amount of equity exposure we had in our growth portfolio. Yeah. Okay. Now, that was based on things like inverted yield curve data, and it was things like slowing manufacturing data, okay? Housing starts, so Got on it. and so forth. Data. Yep. Now, if you remember what happened in the last half of 2019 is equity markets continued to perform well, which is often the case. It's called a melt-up. 
Okay, as the data worsens, you get this bit of a melt-up at the, at the end. So this had nothing to do with the pandemic, but the economic data told us that we needed to reduce equity exposure. Okay, and a okay. side note, do you know how many phone calls I got yeah. saying, what the hell are you doing? Right, because we look like dummies, because markets kept going up. And we're, we're taking money off the table. Correct. We're putting it into more safer investments Correct. than the equity markets, the stock markets, and the thing keeps on going up. What right. are you doing, Faisal? Selling into the rally, and, and you're right, we got lots of phone calls. You Ooh. guys are dummies. <laughs> okay said, okay, we got it, but here's what the economic data is telling us to do. There's a discipline there. Okay. Now we roll into the early part of 2020. Now, we didn't know a pandemic was going to hit, but, of course, a pandemic hits in late February. Things start to get really dicey. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we hit this crisis and it becomes apparent that, you know, things are going to get shut down, what we did is we actually trimmed some more of our equity exposure and our and our alternative equity exposure um, or alternative trading exposure, and we added a gold position. Correct. Right? To the portfolio. What the heck are you investing in gold for, Faisal? Right. Why add gold, right? So now we got to go back to the discipline and the data. Okay. So let's kind of go through the data, which will lead to the discipline. We took the, the thesis that there is no government that's going to say, eh, we give up. Right. And we took the data and said every single central banker understood what happened in 2008. Right. And they're going to put more firepower now yep. at a faster rate than they did in 2008 because they don't want to see that kind of a ramification for right. lack of decision-making process. Right. And so what they did is they, they put their decision-making process on Red Bull. Yep. They went extra fast. They were pushing and pushing. And, and to the point where they said, we're going to securitize everybody. Drop rates, Apple print to money. small company. Yeah. We're, if you're publicly traded, if you got bonds, whatever, we're going to pump so much money in here that you're going to just sit back. Then the federal governments came in and said, we're not going to allow our citizens to just sit there and not, and not have any type of protection. We're going to pump a whole bunch of money. We call it CERB here in Canada, but we weren't the only country that did that. Right. We saw this coming. Yeah. Well, we had two things happen. You had the monetary policy, which was, which was uh, pretty easy to forecast given the response that central banks had in the 0809 crisis. Correct. What we didn't see in 0809 was the fiscal response, the government response. Correct. But let's go back to gold. The data says... Okay, that um, uh, that as it's called the M two money supply, the amount of U S cash in the system. Yep. Okay, as it increases, okay, you should see gold price move higher. And certainly with a low interest rate, the carrying cost of gold becomes attractive. So that was an uh, that was a piece of a um, an asset class that we felt would benefit. Okay, given the data in the situation that we were in. Now, do you remember I said, "Are you sure about gold, Dave?" Mm -hmm. And what did you say to me? It's the data. That's right. The data this this dictates the let me say that again. The yep. data dictates the discipline. Right. And the discipline was this is the data put the part put a part of the portfolio in the gold and we did. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, we're, none of this should be construed as a recommendation. This 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 is just exactly. the data that we were we want to share with you the process of why we were doing things that we were doing. There's lots of ways to do this. This is we just want to say this is how we were doing it and give you some insight into this. It is not a recommendation for anybody. You've got to seek professional advice on anything. Absolutely. And this is all historical moves that we've made. Then came the end of March, beginning of April, and I said to you, mm -hmm. this is Boxing Day shopping. You did. It doesn't make sense. Right. And let's go through the data. And people were selling everything, yes. thinking the world is coming to an end. Okay. We went shopping. But what did the data tell us? The data told us very clearly that when the S&P 500 falls by 30% or more, if you went back over the previous 12 crises to 1970 and you charted it, what you saw is when the S&P was down by 30% or more, 
Okay, then the risk started to tilt to the upside. The timeline was still in question, but the the risk started to tilt Correct. to the upside. Well, then we took the data of what needs to happen in the economy, and we said, okay, look, healthcare, technology. <laughs> Stay at home. Those types of investments are going to do well. So we tilted the portfolio that way. That's how you get double-digit returns in a bad year. Right. That's how you do this type of stuff. We're and then you've got to give me the bond market because we can't. Hold you got to give it. me my win. Say it. Okay. Uh, the data then told us um, in, uh, in May uh, we made another change, and it was based on the data that said once uh, biz- the yield on, uh, on high-yield uh, business debt exceeds 800 basis points, or 8%, of the government yields, that there is a historical opportunity to add that to the portfolio, and we made a change based on that data. Here's, here's the moral of the story, because we have less than a minute to go. The moral of the story is to have a discipline, and I, I unfortunately find that there's too many groups out there who are just promoting one strategy, not the ability to move and be tactical. Yes. So... Just buy growth companies. Just buy dividend-paying stocks. Just stick with gold. Just buy Bitcoin. Whatever those just buy right. is wrong. Right. It holds way too much risk. Having a tactical approach using data, discipline, not emotion, not emotion. structure That's will right. help you make the money over the long term. Yeah, exactly. And please let me reiterate that nothing we've said here uh, should constitute a recommendation to anybody. Please seek professional advice and understand the discipline and the strategy behind it. Correct. So let's talk about strategy. Let's talk about discipline. It's going to be on our approach on how you bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, well, thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We'll talk to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.